0: Coming up on The Real Talk Podcast, we have Mike Prodel, CEO of Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. I think there's one word that comes to mind, and that's empathy. When Mm -hmm. you talk about technology and and that that's going to take over our business, technology doesn't have empathy. You know, Mm -hmm. people have empathy.
1: Hello everybody. This is Laura Boyer with Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. I am the Northern Illinois Regional Vice President. I am very excited. Um, This has been a long-awaited guest. I'm very happy to be sitting with our CEO, Mike Prodell, today. Thank you for being here, Mike, and welcome.
0: Glad to be here. Thank you.
1: So I know you didn't have a lot of time to prepare, which is why we call it Real Talk. We don't want to give you too much time to think about what to say and we're just going to wing it. Sound good?
0: (laughs) I love winging it.
1: Okay, don't we all? All right. So let's just get started. We're going to take it back a little bit and we're going to go back to the mic we know, but who's the mic before we knew you as we know you today? So obviously I also grew up in a house in real estate. Never thought I would end up in the business, but looking at you and where you're at today and the family that you're a part of. Tell me a little bit about when you were a little kid. What what was it like growing up? What did you even know about real estate? What was that like for you?
0: It was all real estate. Every dinner, every Sunday family dinner was all real estate. It was all real estate talk um, for as long as I can remember.
1: And how long were you resistant to that talk where you were like, gosh, can we not talk about real estate? Or were you were you always in it like, this is awesome, this is my jam?
0: No. I. Was, <laughs> I, I was so happy and so looking forward to going to college to get away from those, those dinners and the Sunday night dinners that uh, were all about real estate. So I was, I was further on the opposite end, not wanting to be in real estate um, when I left for college. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot.
1: So when you, were, when you were younger and this was all happening around you and you wanted to be on the other side of that, what did you want to be when you grew up? What, did you have a dream of like, oh, I always wanted to be...
0: Yeah, I wanted to be an architect. Okay. So I went to school for, with the thoughts that I was going to be in architectural design.
1: And leaning into the real estate industry, like residential type architectural design or commercial or building, or what was your... A little
0: bit of both. Okay. Uh, and then I realized that I needed to go to school for seven years and I realized that <laughs> quickly was not for me.
1: So. No, no. School for that long. I mean, you might as well be a doctor then. Oh uh, yeah, you know? absolutely. Or absolutely. at least a PA. That's a better way to go maybe these days. So when so I know my kids now, they, I have twins that are 16 and I have a 13 year old and I'm kind of like the Chandler being. they don't really know what I do for a job, they know I'm in real estate, but what was your perception of that too? Did you understand and grasp it completely because you talked about it so much or did you have a different perception as a kid that now that you're in it, you were like, well, that was really skewed?
0: I think it was the hours that I saw my dad working as I grew up. He okay. was always working, but he always found time to do the important things. He was always there for dinner, he was always there for our games, scheduled them, but then he was often going back to this job that I thought was just, you know, how many hours a week could you put into a job? I don't know that I want to do that. And that's right. what I grew up with. Right. Um, but to find out that he was able to, to tweak his schedule to be able to have the family time and, and that it was always that important to him um, was huge
1: looking right. back at it not. right so. and that's the hardest thing i know that we struggle with is the time management because while there is the luxury of being able to plan your own day sometimes our days get out of hand and we have every intention of being home for dinner and then we're bringing home to takeout or something like that so how do you manage that now with the family of your own how do you manage that especially being at the helm of this big company what practices do you have in place that tries to help you get there
0: yeah, I would say work-life balance is is a, is a challenge. It's okay. a challenge for me. I think it's a challenge for everybody. Um, it, it's 26 years for me. So it's a work in progress every mm-hmm. day. I, I feel like I'm working at it. Um, I, I've learned from my, my father. I've learned from the best. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, everything became scheduled. That was the way I did it. Um, that's the way he did it. Uh, my kids' games are all on my schedule. So right. for me to be able to be there, which is is so important, um, I have to schedule all of it out.
1: It's an appointment, and it you is. have to treat it like an appointment. I don't tell and them you don't that, miss it, no, yes, it's it's an, a, exactly, no, it's, it's when somebody says, hey, I have to go, I have a commitment, you know, you, you gotta do that because even your family's a commitment, whether it's an appointment with a client or it's a commitment to the family or being at your, your kids' games, that's it's really important. So, awesome. So you went to college, and where did you go to college?
0: I went to a small private school in uh, Illinois called Lincoln. Uh, I went there actually on a golf scholarship. Excellent. And um, I did more golfing than I would say the rest uh, of what I should have been doing while I was there.
1: I too golfed in college. The best thing about that was you got to schedule your classes around your golf schedule, which was kind of nice. <laughs> so so that's fabulous. So you went in with with the intention of being an architect. I did. And then when did that shift through your collegiate career?
0: So all of those dinners that I couldn't wait to get away from, I realized quickly how much I missed them. Mm-hmm. And, and after finding out the length of time I had to go to school to be an architect, um, I quickly wanted to get back to, um, what I realized that I loved and I had a passion for, and that was the real estate piece of the architecture. So getting back into, um, those conversations and hearing about, uh, real estate definitely was, was what pulled me back in and getting back to that. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I missed it. I missed it.
1: Okay, so then what was your first step? So for those that, haven't, that don't know your history in real estate, give us a little synopsis of what year you got in, how you started, and your, kind of your path to where you're at today as CEO.
0: So I had, I had never sold anything my entire life. So I knew getting out of college or getting out of, out of Lincoln and headed back home, I needed to get my real estate license. So at 21, I decided, all right, I'm gonna get my real estate license right out of the gate. I have big shoes to fill. Um, I'm gonna to have to prove myself. Coming in as the the son of the owner, the mm-hmm. S.L.B. Um, I had no choice but that uh, son of a
1: broker for all you listeners. <laughs> that don't
0: uh, know. So being the son of a broker, um, I actually had uh, I had to go out and earn it myself. I wasn't going to be able to step into a management position. I was going to have to sell. I was going to have to earn my stripes um, and prove myself. So that's what I did. At 21, I got my license. Um, backing up to when I was 18, I I got a a sales position. At a local printing and office supply company to get me some uh, experience in the sales world Uh, I sold for probably a year after I got my real estate license while I was starting to get my work my sphere and 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 build my database and 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 get both my feet firmly planted on the ground Uh, but I did that for probably the first three to five years Um, is just Working my sphere and 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 um, building that database and working my past customers, uh, I sold a solid eight years before I, I stepped into management, mm-hmm. um, and I'm glad I did it. I'm, I I don't look back and regret that. Um, it gave me a lot of the insight that I think agents, you know, from the ground level, we we're always wondering what's going on in the ground level. Um, from you know, I'll say senior management's point of view, we wonder, um, you know, what's changing and how quickly mm-hmm. it changes today. Uh, so it, it gave, me, gave me a better understanding of what agents go through.
1: Perfect. Um, and I think it helps to, uh, for us to be able to appreciate that you've been there, done that, um, to know that for you to be in this role, it's not that, you know, being an SOB that you were handed the reins to this ship, or the, I don't know, was it the wheel? What do we no, call it? It's that? a ship, it's a big ship. But it's not the reins to the ship. <laughs> People can sometimes wonder or think that, is that nepotism, is it things like that that got you here? But to know your history, know that you've had your feet on the ground and you did the work, you've been in a sales agent, um, you've had to build your sphere, which I'll say to the people listening, um, well, I guess it's a DOB, a daughter of a broker, um, I didn't have a sphere because all of my friends and family had worked with my mom. So I had a a tougher time building a sphere. So for you to be able to develop that sphere, work that for a solid eight years, before stepping into management that says something. Um, So with that piece, my question would be, how did you distinguish yourself on your own as a broker when you were selling as an agent?
0: Well, to say you didn't have a sphere to back up to that, I I had two siblings that were in the real estate um, (laughs) industry and a father that was in the real estate industry. So my sphere consisted of probably A third of what it could have Um, just because it was college friends (laughs) it was it was local friends it was their families and people that didn't know my siblings and my father Mm -hmm. so that was that that shrunk my sphere pretty quickly so I had to work them even harder than than if I had that larger sphere Um, but it was it it was a challenge Mm -hmm. Uh, but it, it, it gave me a different approach to how I had to go about it differentiating myself from Not only my competition, but the rest of my family. Mm -hmm. Why would why would they use me over my sister, who would probably listen to this and say, "Well, how did you get that listing over me?" But uh, it 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 was fun. I think um, differentiating differentiating myself. I was younger. I was a younger individual getting into this business. Twenty one was difficult then to get into the business. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with the technology today and the tools that are available today to work your sphere and stay in contact with the consumer um, is a lot easier today. Um, and, and because it's easier, they expect it more often. Right. Um, but back then, I had the time. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I had a ton of free time for me to devote to my customers. Um, and that's what they were looking for. And
1: that's, and that's a that's, differentiating factor right there. Correct. The time yeah. you were hungry, you had the time, you were dedicated. Um, that's That says a lot too. So you gotta find what works for you and you gotta know what your strengths are. And sometimes people I know that I felt that it was a weakness of mine, the fact that I was younger when I started in real estate. So that's something also though that you can use as a strength when, when working with clients too.
0: Something I learned a lot of years ago and it's a saying that I that I picked up and I've heard it over and over throughout the years, but they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And mm-hmm. I and I I used that in the sales piece, but I use it today in in leadership to say that you know coming in you have to earn your stripes and and, and people don't really care what you know mm-hmm. they just care that you care about them and this right. is a people business we're in the business of people right and, and that's so important it's relationship business um, and it's and it's finding the client is the sales part of it fine mm-hmm. but taking care of them and treating them as if it was your own transaction and, right. and, and, and showing them that you care about it and it's not just a number Um, that's the part that really matters.
1: I think that's vital too to what we do in our business today because information is so prevalent and so quick moving that our agents tend to wonder how they can be of value to their clients, but at the same time, when you show that you care, you have the knowledge to back it up and they think they have the knowledge that they don't even need you for it, but to show that you're there to take care of every step of that transaction and that you're gonna treat them like they're your only client, That goes a long way because it is still about the people business. I think that many of us worry about the threat of big technology taking out our jobs and that people won't want a realtor anymore, they're going to do it all online. But there's still a lot of people out there that need that interaction and a little bit more hand-holding. And I think as a leader, it's really cool to hear you say that you know this is a people business still. That no matter what tools or systems you want to roll in to help make the agent's jobs more efficient, or help them do better for their client, you also appreciate that this is truly a relationship business and that it's I, for the people.
0: I think there's one word that, that comes to mind and that's empathy. When mm-hmm. you talk about technology and, and that that's going to take over our business, technology doesn't have empathy. You know, mm-hmm. people have empathy. And and if I can, if I could draw up the perfect person, that empathy would be the, the biggest piece of, of that, um, how they would look, you know. To, Absolutely. The, the customer has a lot of needs, they have a lot of wants, and a lot of times we find ourselves talking more than we listen. Um, but if we can reverse that, and, and you know, we have two ears and one mouth, if we could use them in equal proportion, right? Um, the empathy the piece is huge. Uh, every client's different, every client has a different want, a different need, um, their criteria is different. So, uh, technology can't take care of that. We can't, no,
1: people can No, and that's a good point because what the clients see from us sometimes it seems very transactional. And it is a challenge, I think, for realtors that do this every day or do dozens of deals a year to remember that piece, that empathy piece, and to know that this is a really big deal to each and every client. You know, we don't, They don't do this every day, and we do. So it's really important to circle back to that piece of empathy. And I think if we as a group of realtors can continue to lead with empathy and be of value and of service to them first, we'll win every time. You know, and I think that's what's going to keep us above the competition too.
0: And 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 the best agents we have out there will look at that consumer, whether they're buying a $200,000 home or a million dollar home, the dollar amount doesn't matter. It's most likely the, the largest investment of their life and, and it matters to them mm-hmm. and, it, and it matters to our agents the same, no matter what the price. Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. So we, we talk about the tools and the things that we have to support our business and to help us be better agents for our clients. Obviously we know that we offer all these tools and resources. What would be the one item that you would recommend directly to our agents that they dive into first if they have to choose a tool to get comfortable with first as they're maybe getting started in this business or maybe they're resetting, it's a new year and they want to refocus? A tool or a resource? Um, Either.
0: I would say right now we have a ton of great tools, but I think one of the greatest things that I think couple bankers come out with lately is is this AMP program. And and I think that um, we have taken AMP and Michelle Carter has taken AMP and and made it into our own. We've ninja-fied it, I guess you could say. Um, And ninja would be the other. But AMP is a program that that will take agents and will give them that shot in the arm, uh, Mm -hmm. takes them back to not just the basics, but how to dive deep into what it takes for an agent to be successful. And I think we have done a great job uh, bringing AMP to our agents. So for those that haven't, done it. I think they should. For those that are getting into the business new, I think they should. Um, and Ninja's the other. You know, I, I always thought it was um, ironic or weird when I heard that Ninja would change your life, not just your business. But seeing the you know, almost 400 agents that we've put through it and, and the feedback and the thank you letters that I get on a regular basis telling me how they've gone through this program. Now it's been two or three years and it has been life changing and not just... Business changing but it's changed their outlook on life in general um, and, and it's made them a happier person because of it. So I truly think Ninja and AMP combined are probably two of the best things that we've done in the last 10 years.
1: Perfect and those are both truly the productivity tools which you wouldn't see it as, yes, it's a resource because we're providing it as a resource as a company to our agents, but both of those help achieve productivity. And and with Ninja, not as much agent productivity, but just personal productivity, which can drive business productivity. So you can do all the things in your business and do them well and still um, have higher income per hour and have a life. Right, and, that, and that's what I think is the greatest thing about the tools that we're given with our parent brand with Coldwell Banker, to be able to bring those down to our level. And then the fact that we have the resources and staff in place like Michelle Carter in, in career development to be able to deliver that message effectively, and Ninjafy it as needed to make it wholly ours and and all inclusive of the things that we need to be successful.
0: I think two things, I think that there's uh, new agents that come to me, I I would say the most common question is, how do I get my first deal faster? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that would be Ninja and and Amp. Mm -hmm. And then agents that get to a point in their career where they've maybe hit a plateau and they can't take their business from seven million to 10 million. How do I get my business, how do I jumpstart that? To, to take me to the next level, and that would be, again, AMP and Ninja. I've seen through the Ninja program, I've seen people go through it two, three, four mm-hmm. times. I think you've gone through it.
1: Three. three I call times. it, it's like Bible school. I mean, you kind of go back, it's yeah. like a refresh, it's a reset, and every time you go, I mean, I, you could get me on a whole soapbox here, but every time you go, you're in a different place in your business, in your life, your mindset um things that you took away the first time you might have applied and mastered and now you go back and you're ready to receive new information. So I know we talked a lot about that in our podcast with Peter too. So you're right. I mean, it's and it's something that can help you to continually grow.
0: If it's like Bible school though, what does that make Peter?
1: What is, if he is our Lord and Savior? I would call him Okay, that. all right. All right. Well, That's we'll make great. sure he doesn't hear that. Yeah. It's a lot swag. of pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure. So okay, so going now into where you're at in terms of as a leader within this company and within this industry, um, you are recognized by, by many people across the Kobo Banker brand. We are the number one Kobo Banker franchise affiliate in the world and there's a lot of power and um, I think humbleness that can also come with that. So as we grow, as you are growing as a leader, as a manager in this company, what would today's Mike Offer as advice to the Mike just getting started in real estate? Like, what start, stop, continue? What would you say, start doing this sooner, Mike, or stop doing that, or continue to do this and be awesome? Any ideas? That's a lot. It is?
0: Um, part of it's easy. Um, what would I tell the younger Mike uh, coming up? Uh, surround yourself with great people. And I think that. For the years that I've been in leadership, and and, and now the years that I've been the CEO, um, I've focused on that piece of it and surrounding myself with the right people. I think we we've, we've got the right people. Um, I think that um, when you have the right people in place, it makes your job easier
1: mm-hmm.
0: because you know that no matter what the challenge is, that those people are making the decision based on. The, the core values that the company is based on. So the core values that I have, the core values that my dad started this company based on, um, that's how we hire people and, and those values shine through. So hiring the right people has, has, made, has made it possible to grow to the size that we are.
1: That's fabulous. And that leads me into my next question, which is that many of us employees and agents with Real Estate Group, We take a lot of pride in the fact that we're a family-owned and operated company. And while we're a very large company with a very large footprint spreading across four states, we all inside know that this is true, that we are a family-based company. The public doesn't always see that or recognize that unless we talk about it when we're with our public people and our clients. But tell me how you navigate the challenges of keeping the family feeling while growing as a company that, you know, without the stress or perception that we're becoming too quote unquote corporate?
0: That's a challenge. It is mm-hmm. a challenge. It's it's, it's something that um, we strive for every day. We are not absentee owners. We're always here. Uh, we're always working to better the company. I think this is where technology can help us a bit. Um, it, it's allowed me the opportunity to be present in some of the meetings and, and be there without actually having to um, travel three, four, five hours sometimes right. to get to a meeting. We try to set our schedule so we can be visible around as many people as possible right. because we love rubbing elbows with our agency. Right. It, it is a family-owned, family-run company, and we look at everyone as if they were family. I say I have an open-door policy um, that I want people to feel comfortable reaching out. Not everybody does, so therefore it's, it. it you know, we've set Probably the, the the tools in place for us to know what's going on out there on a regular basis. You being an RVP, you mm-hmm. have a rockstar report, so you give us information as to what's going on, who's done great this week. You know who had their milestone first closing, who had their mm-hmm. milestone. They 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 broke into a new, you know a new level. They've gone from seven million to eight million dollars. So we can reach out and congratulate them. So everyone's got a hand in in us staying. In touch with the agents mm-hmm. um, when I when I mention Ed calling people on their birthdays, right? It, everyone loves that. That's that's probably the number one thing that we always will continue to do is, is is touch people on their birthdays and make sure that that they know that we know it's their birthday and right. um, you know if Ed misses one on accident or someone ends up off the list somehow it didn't print their name on the list. He typically gets a phone call, and, and people yeah. realize that he didn't call. So it's a, we it's look a forward to that. I don't, I don't,
1: I don't shame is. anybody for not calling me on my birthday. But if it was Ed, I would notice. You know, most people Absolutely. would say, "I'm sorry, happy belated birthday." And I'm like, "Oh, no big deal." But I kind of like, well, gosh, I wonder at what point today I might get that call from Ed.
0: My biggest so. fear is the day that he <laughs> stops making those calls and asks me to make those calls. <laughs> that people will say, "Well, why is Ed not calling me? Why are you calling me?" Right. So. Um, right. That's my biggest. Fear. Well,
1: maybe Ed will finally be on a beach with his toes in the sand somewhere, yeah. and you know, Hopefully. enjoying a little bit of downtime in life. So, um, that's awesome. So, what is your favorite company-sponsored event, and why? We have a few. I would, right I would <laughs> say
0: Empower is my favorite company event. Yep. Uh, the energy in the room that day, uh, the the talent that we bring together all together in one day from all states. Um, amazes me. And, and I was always amazed by Empower it, it, to, see how, to see how the room looked. But now that we've brought everyone together, we used to do one in Wisconsin and one in Illinois, but now that we've done it all inclusive of everyone, right. it's, the, the, it's just crazy. It's crazy to stand up on stage. And I think last year I said, this is very intimidating. Because it is. Because you're standing in front of a thousand of your peers mm-hmm. who you know know their self. And, yeah. and are successful in an industry that is, um, so quick, so fast moving, so fast paced. Um, and, and, and you're standing up there and you feel, I'd say a little vulnerable when you're yeah. standing up on stage there, but I love it. The networking that goes on, the things that, that are, um, are talked about there, um, just the excitement in the agents voices when you get a chance to talk to them. Uh, and then ending it with our, you know, our, our cobble banker, um, Party at the end is just—it's—it's it's a great day. Yeah. I, I, I truly enjoy it. It's a lot of work. Our team spends hundreds of hours putting it together. Yeah. Um, I give them all the credit in the world. It started with Tara and I putting it together, and and now there's a team uh, mm-hmm. that Tara is is part of, but uh, she has more people to to lean on. So it's, and it's months it's a lot of, of planning. Yeah. Months and months of planning.
1: Yeah. So I encourage everybody. February 21st is the day I call it my favorite holiday. It was my second favorite holiday, but it's quickly jumped into my first holiday of the year. That's my favorite. So, um, Empower, February 21st, really excited to be there this year. And especially Look, with
0: the new brand. The yeah. The new branding coming out. So. Yeah,
1: and that's that's the big key. I mean, that's a lot of work. Not only had we renamed from the Honig Bell franchise to the real estate group in Illinois, now we're flipping it again, and we gotta do the second rebrand. At least we kinda of know where, you know, a little bit of what to do this time around. Um, But we're also not alone, so the entire Coldwell Banker brand is rebranding. So, um, I'm really glad that we have you leading that with the whole team of people that we have with our marketing team and, um, everybody and all the department heads that have their fair share and what to do in that.
0: And I love the new look. I think the new look is spectacular. Absolutely. I think it looks, it looks great on the signs. It looks great on clothing. I'm excited about it. I run into people that I would not think would even know about the change that's mm-hmm. taken place. And the, and they're just, the, yeah. the comments that I hear are great. I mean, yeah. it's, and we haven't even begun to to push it out to the world yet.
1: So. Right, right. No, it's an exciting time for us, for sure, especially in 2020. I mean, what yeah. better year to do that? We're calling it the soaring 20s. That's kind of the, the phrase I've heard thrown out there. And I'm thinking that's really exciting. And it's not the roaring. We're now soaring in 2020. So, I like it. Um, so I'm circling back because I thought it was really cool that you said, when I'm standing on stage in front of a thousand of my peers, that speaks volumes in terms of who you are as a, as a leader, Of these people in this company with over 1,700 agents and I think we have over 300 employees or so just shy Yeah, so with that to say that you could be intimidated because you're in front of your peers I think that's very humbling and I I appreciate that as an employee and somebody who works for you because You do recognize that we all have something to give we all have talents and there's everybody has a lot of knowledge and that you can appreciate that level of knowledge and expertise that's brought into that room, and that you maybe don't know everything, but you're willing to grow and learn from each other and be a part of that together.
0: Yeah, I. A lot of people don't know that about me. I don't. I don't like to be the center of attention. I like to be involved in the operations and the running and the and the watching the company grow. And I'm so proud of what these agents have done um, and what our staff has done to help the agents get there. I mean, it's. It, it's just a great feeling it, it, overall, and and no, that's not me to take the credit for it. It's, no. it the credit yeah. all goes to our agents.
1: So when you're standing in the you know on the stage in Empower and you're looking out across these peers, I'm assuming you feel a lot of pride. What, where did you see yourself in 2020? You know, 10 years ago, even did you was this always in the plan for you? Or you like, you know, working with Ed and saying, what do, what do we want to do? What's our vision for the next five years or 10 years?
0: if you had told me that the industry would be as fast moving as it is today, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have signed on and stayed on for it. It's, yeah. it, it is, it is a, a crazy roller coaster at at a, at a crazy pace. Mm-hmm. Um, that again, if we don't have the right people that are keeping their, their eyes and ears and their finger on the pulse on it at all times, it, it, it easily could pass anybody by. So right. I'm very right. proud of what our team's doing. Um, and there's a lot of, you, you know, conversations over what's the next change and what's the you know what's the next latest and greatest thing and and you know I look at in 1992 when I started in the business I always said if there was change in 18 months one change in our industry in 18 months that would be a lot
1: Mm -hmm. and now
0: it seems like every 18 days there is a major change in our industry so buckle up hang on and and you know, what a heck of a ride it's been and going to be. And
1: I think that's what you say every 18 days. It's true. I mean, announcements get made like with Amazon or other companies make major decisions. And even with license law and changes and you hear about things happening and changing dual agency rules and things like that in other states, you don't know if that's coming down the pipeline. So all we can do is brace ourselves. But I'll tell you what, if you're in this business and you don't like change, it's going to be that much harder for you to grow your business. And... I, what I like about every decision that you make and that you bring the team in to help decide on is, is this the best, what's best for the agents? Um, is this going to help their business? Is it going to be a good return on that investment for them and their business? Um, because you have that appreciation that if they're not growing, we're not growing. Um, and I, I know that you've pulled in some focus groups recently and you've tried to get um, all kinds of producing agents um you know, in front of you one-on-one and with small groups to be able to get some of that feedback. Was there any feedback that you'd gotten in any of those kind of recent focus groups that was surprising to you or was it all pretty much something that you had already had a pulse on?
0: Believe it or not, I think we were headed in the right direction. Okay. Uh, but having those, those group conversations with some of our, our top producers and our mid-producers, um, at, at different levels to have the, com- the, the conversation where they were reassuring me that we were headed in the right direction okay. was, was good. We okay. did we did learn some new things. We did hear some things that we were surprised to hear, but that's good. That's what we have yeah. those conversations for. And, and we'll continue to have more and more of those conversations because they're on the street level. They mm-hmm. understand what's going on in that street level better than I can, better than right. you can. Right. So for me to hear it firsthand, nothing better than when we're sitting through our synergy meetings or we're sitting in our, our mastermind groups and we're talking about what we're going to do going forward in, in, in the new year to to hear it from them so
1: awesome awesome so in talking about going forward in the future um, what is your vision for 2020 what is your, your if at the end of the year what would you hope to be the greatest accomplishment of this year
0: I, I think I look at our customers as are our, as our agent our customer mm-hmm. is our agent their customer is the client. And Mm -hmm. I look at both being a customer service experience. We're trying to create an experience for them. The things that we're looking to bring to the table are how can we make it easier for our agent to go out and service their customer. Go out and do what they do best and that's list and sell real estate every day. And for our agent, to the consumer, how does that experience get better? So those are the things that we're looking to do. If I back up 10 years ago, it was how can we bring the next technology, the next cool tool to the table. Now it's how can I help you help your customer and create an experience that is second to them.
1: Absolutely. That's great. And like you were saying, it's not even as much about the tools or the technology that you're using in that. It's about the relationship you're creating, um, being a trusted resource. And I think that is the same thing. Just like... As a RVP, you know my client is the managers that I serve, and their client is their agents in their office that they serve. Um, We all have to know that without the people that we serve, we wouldn't be where we are too.
0: Absolutely, without our agents, we don't have a company. Without our clients, we don't have agents. Correct. It's 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 kind of a but we're all in this, and we talk about it being in the hospitality business. We talk about being a customer service Mm -hmm. business, and that's what people are looking for. That's what agents are looking for in a company and that's what clients are looking for in an agent.
1: Yeah, so in what we're looking for in an agent and for people that currently work for the real estate group and serve their clients as best as they can, what can those agents do to help serve that vision and goal for the company? How, what way do you see these agents helping to provide a stellar customer's experience?
0: I think it goes back to what I said earlier and that's empathy. Yep. And, and listening to your customers wants and needs and, and and that's as basic as it gets but at the end of the day if you don't listen um, it's hard to to know what they're looking for uh, we have the tools we have the services we have the resources we have the training the education we have all of those things but listening is mm-hmm. is, is crucial um, and, and and that's something that we can we can talk and talk and talk about um, the minute an agent doesn't listen it's it, it's a uh, yeah. It's hard to understand what your customers are looking for.
1: And that circles back to you talking about the resources of Ninja and AMP because those two experiences as an agent can help you do exactly that and support that vision with those customers. Too.
0: But it's amazing that if you don't continue to practice mm-hmm. and you don't continue to go through the skills groups, groups yep, yep. Um, that we offer, it, it's easy to fall off track. Right. So, so while we can say listening is easy and having empathy is, which we all know is not easy at times, um, having those skills groups where you can have your peers sitting around a table who have been through most likely the experiences that you're talking about or, or you're sharing ideas and you're going through um, scenarios, those groups help keep you focused, help keep you on that path. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's huge.
1: So how would you then ask people like myself or other leadership and management in the company to also support that vision in our jobs to help support those agents to do that. No, keep showing up, keep showing up (laughs) like that show up, be there.
0: Absolutely. Those use the resources that we have use the, the, take advantage of the classes and the skills groups that we have. Mm -hmm. Those will help you get to your goal. Mm -hmm. faster achieve your goal more often and 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 be successful
1: and I think that the agents want to need to look at the management team and the the regional VPs and the people and, and our VPs all the way between the agent and you we have these levels we have a manager we have a regional vice president and we have a vice president but all of this I see as a conduit of information dissemination but connecting to resources, and I feel like there's no level of disconnect when agents know that they can go to their manager, their RVP, their VP, and you, and you talk about an open door, and I think bless up Google Hangouts because it's so simple to be able to set an event in Google or invite somebody to a quick video chat, and the amount of time I spend in a car, I can't even imagine. I'm only covering Northern Illinois. so. To be able to connect with people over Google Hangouts. I
0: try not to do it while I'm driving.
1: That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, I actually passed, on the way here from Algonquin today, I passed the billboard on 290 that said, how is that no texting resolution working for you? I'm like, so that's a pretty good resolution. I hope that everybody is doing their best to not work while they drive. So um,
0: I will say though that to to back up for a second, I I talk about... um, skills accountability groups and, and, and things like that, but this business, it's so easy to get down. It's so mm-hmm. easy to have a deal fall apart and, and, and hang your head. Um, and it's so easy to fall into a rut that way, that the culture that we have in these offices, you know, we can talk about culture, but, but when I walk into the offices and I see the culture and I see those accountability groups... In action, I see the way that they work they lift one another up and it's 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 very easy to fall into a rut But being part of these groups helps you get quickly out of that Mm -hmm. and 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 move on to the next Mm -hmm. to the next Transaction or the next deal Um, and even though it's not about the number as much as it is as it is the experience um, It's you have to get past that last That last bad deal and move on to the next good right right um, quicker and having the culture in the office is huge
1: Right. And I've even seen some of our offices, they tend to lean away from the word accountability because none of us truly want to be that accountable. So they, you know, we call them skills groups for that reason. But then people were holding accountability groups separately for those that maybe hadn't participated in Ninja. And now they're calling them masterminds too, which I love because you're bringing people from all levels of production and different backgrounds that are bringing in... A wealth of information to help each other and lift each other up. And I love seeing that within all of our offices.
0: Everyone's motivated by different things. Everybody operates differently. So, mastermind, accountability, whatever it is, whatever group you want to (laughs) join, they're all intended to help you take your business to the next level.
1: Absolutely. I love that. So, let me ask you this is a deep question, and you don't have to answer it, but I'm sure people would love to hear it. What is your biggest fear? when running a company of this size?
0: That is a deep question. It is. <laughs> um, I would say my biggest fear is, is that you know, when you talk about the numbers and you talk about 1,700 agents and you talk about just shy of 300 um, employees or staff, every day, every decision that I'll say I make
1: mm-hmm.
0: or we make as, as a company, those people are dependent on it being the right decision, that that won't take us down a path to where... If the market turns and there is a slowdown at any point in time and and unemployment drops down and and things that that affect real estate don't go according to plan, that all of those people that are putting food on the table based on that job, um, we're not putting that in jeopardy. So that goes through my mind every time I say yes to a new product or a new tool or an Mm -hmm. acquisition or... Whatever it might be, um, mm-hmm. starting a new company that might allow us to help with the customer service part of, of the transaction, that's my biggest fear.
1: And I think that's okay because fear can drive you too. So I think of all the fears to have, that would be a good one for you as a leader to have because it's going gonna, it's gonna to encourage you to stay relevant. It's going to encourage you to keep having that empathy. To when you are talking about the people that are putting food on the table at the end of the day, that if that's what drives your decision making, then that's not a bad thing either.
0: It's not. It's not. And I and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's it's a fear. It's there. Right. I do think that that one thing we all will continue to try to do is is make sure that the growth in this industry is is a necessity today. Mm -hmm. Um, I look at. Other ancillary businesses that we have to get into um, that are that are going to be crucial to our growth and stability moving forward, um, and those are things that I think I think everyone understands. I think everyone that's employed in this company, everyone that's an agent in this company, understands that those are things that that the industry is is quickly changing, um, and we have always been good at staying ahead of the curve, um, and those are decisions that. When you're thinking about starting up a new company, Mm -hmm. those are expensive decisions that I think that we've taken a long time to vet out Mm -hmm. um, and these aren't quick decisions. What I want people to know is that we do vet all our decisions out. It's not just quick decisions.
1: Right. Well, and that's important, so um, we can appreciate the amount of inquiries and ideas thrown at you, and I, I mean, I think about even from a one office level, the people that walk into a door and say, I think I can help you, and as a manager trying to vet out who would be a value to the agents, who would help the end consumer, What? why are they different than a different, another inspector or a lender or somebody else, when you, we talk about that, I can't even imagine the amount of inquiries and salespeople that come to you bringing you the next best thing um, and the amount of time it takes to vet it, too. So thank you for filtering that stuff out um, and only bringing us the best of the best and the most important things that could help us do our job better. So thank you for that.
0: Well, I'd say thank my team because they actually a lot of those those people get diverted to them. Yeah. To vet first. <laughs> and, and they vet they and bring then it right, services. right,
1: right. Which is fair. That's good. I know a lot of our admins in our offices are really good at vetting the people that walk in the door with bags of treats and want time with our managers and um, that could happen weekly if not sometimes daily. So um, so a couple more fun questions. If you could sit down for lunch with two people deceased, alive um,
0: who would they be? Wow. And you couldn't share these with me before? Think no, this. no, huh? this is real oh, talk. Geez. You got to,
1: yeah, it's off the cuff. Huh.
0: <laughs> um, so from a leadership standpoint, there are two individuals and, and, and one in the past, one that's, that's deceased, and that would be Steve Jobs. Yeah. Um, and the other would be Simon Sinek, who I have a passion for, what he stands for, what he talks about. Um, so those would be my two.
1: Okay. So now that you, you, you actually answered that pretty quickly, it took me longer to even think of that for myself. What would be a burning question you might have for one of them?
0: That's a little harder. Um, (laughs) and the only reason it was an easy question is because I kind of mirror a lot of the the decisions and the things that I do around, you know, when I think of Steve jobs, he's, you know, he said surrounding yourself with great people and the right people. Um, and that's kind of what we talked about before. And, and, um, Simon Sinek talks about empathy and he talks about, you know, truly caring about what your management team or your employee, Mm -hmm. what's going on with them and being present in the conversation when you're talking to them. I think my biggest struggle as an individual would be delegating and letting go. So I would say that with Steve Jobs, I would say hiring the right people. How hard was it to let go and what were some of your your keys to success of, of being able to to walk away from it, let them handle it without and entrust somebody over with their that, shoulders yeah
1: that 's a really good one. I mm-hmm. think for anybody in a position of leadership or management, my husband's a principal of a middle school, so we talk a lot about letting somebody take the reins on something and the email doesn't have to have your name on it, but somebody could still email on your behalf and that 's okay too <laughs>
0: so. if, if I was giving it to a middle school student, I would probably have a lot harder time letting go of
1: it. Yeah, no, no, no. We don't want them to manage it. Unless
0: (laughs) it was technology, then I have no problem.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Let them them have at it. Because I tell you, my days of technology are, and my knowledge is dwindling daily with even coming from the tech world. Um, It's a definite challenge for all of us. So that's, actually, I really admire the questions um, being put on the spot like that. So thank you very much. Final question. We ask this of everybody we interview. This is, this is not a yes or no. It's very easy. What is a favorite part of your home? And why? My kitchen. I wondered if that would be it because you like to cook. Or you don't like to I cook. I love
0: to cook. I don't get to cook <laughs> enough. Uh, but cooking is one way that I divert my stress and my day-to-day um, Whatever's going on in my day, it's easier for me to get rid of it by by focusing my energy and my stress on something else, like cooking.
1: With a really sharp knife. With a really sharp knife.
0: but <laughs> Some helpless tomatoes. <laughs> but there's two reasons, that my, the kitchen. Because that is where my family mm-hmm. hangs out most of the time. And when we have Perfect. our conversations with the kids, and we're laughing, and we're joking, and when we have people over, even though we have a nice basement, we spend most of our time in the kitchen just you know, laughing and, and gathering place and, and gathering and, and yeah, the good times.
1: That's very common. I think for a lot of people, we all have, you know, the formal dining room or the finished basement or the rec space or the great back patio. But we always end up in the kitchen, yep. big or small, no matter how big the party is. You end up with the kitchen.
0: And I'm Italian. Come on. There's food there. There's always food there.
1: (laughs) That's fabulous. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit out of your busy schedule and meet with me and answer some of these burning questions. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy getting a little inside look at your history and what got you here today and a little bit more insight on what your vision is and goals. So I can't thank you enough. Thanks for being here, Mom.
0: Well, thank you.